All right, well, we're there in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'd like you to look down at just one verse there, verse number 18, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And we've been going through a series on uh, Sunday nights on the subject of the Holy Spirit, the series is called By My Spirit, but it's been really a systematic study of the doctrines and beliefs of the Holy Spirit of God. This is now the eighth sermon in this series, and we're probably going to have at least two more uh, before it's all said and done. And what we're doing tonight is we're going to talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice in verse 18 there, the last part of the verse, it says, but be filled with the Spirit. He says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This is a command where we as New Testament believers are being instructed and we are being commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to notice. Because of the fact that this is a command, there's a, uh, some things we can glean from that. And this is just kind of by way of introduction. The first one is this, that the command of being filled with the Spirit shows us that this is not automatic. Not every Christian is just automatically filled with the Spirit. If you were just automatically filled with the Spirit, God would not have to command you to be filled with the Spirit. So this is not an automatic thing that just happens when you get saved, you're just filled with the Spirit. This is also something that is possible. It is possible for you to be filled with the Spirit because God would not command you to do something that you do not have the ability to do. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at uh, this idea of the filling of the Spirit, and I'm going to teach you uh, the reasons you may want to be filled with the Spirit, the requirements that you will need to fulfill in order to be able to be filled with the Spirit, and then we'll end tonight with the results of being filled with the Spirit. And I'd like you to keep your place there in Ephesians. We're going to come back there, but go with me to the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now in the Old Testament, if you find those one and two books, they're all clustered together in the Old Testament. You got 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. Go to 1st Samuel chapter 16. And um, when we're talking about the filling, and like I said, this is now the eighth sermon in this series. If you remember when we started learning about the Holy Spirit uh, eight weeks ago, we started with a sermon on the person of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit as God. We talked about the Holy Spirit in, in the Trinity. We talked about the work of the Holy Spirit, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament versus the Old Testament. So I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but you need to understand that there is a difference between the sealing of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. When you got saved, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That does not mean, however, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what we learned from the command, that it's not automatic. God wants you to be filled, but you are not automatically uh, filled. So let's talk about, and if you're taking notes, and I'd encourage you to take some notes, let's talk about some reasons for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Why would you even want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What is the purpose of being filled with the Spirit? And we know from last week's sermon that when we're talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit, and these terms are used uh, synonymously, the filling of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon you, and the pouring of the Holy Spirit. We saw last week how those terms are used synonymously throughout Scripture, and all of those are referring to having the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit fills you, when the Holy Spirit is poured upon you, it is a reference to the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you, upon your life, and upon your ministry. Why would you want that? Why would you want the filling of the Holy Spirit? Are you there in 1 Samuel 16? The first reason that you would want to be filled is for a specific position. 
Throughout the Bible, we see that men and women were filled in the Holy Spirit as well. But we see that men were filled in the Holy Spirit when they were uh, being filled or when they were having the Holy Spirit of God come upon them for a specific position that God had ordained them to. Here's one example, 1 Samuel 16, verse number 13. The Bible says this, Then Samuel, who was the high priest, the prophet at the time, took the horn of oil. Now, I want you to remember that he took the horn of oil because we're going to talk about this at the end of the sermon. But there are several things throughout the Bible, emblems that represent the Holy Spirit. And oil is one of them. Water is one of them. Fire is one of them. Uh, a dove is one of them. There's certain things throughout the Bible that represent or picture the Holy Spirit. One of them is oil. And here, David is going to be ordained or anointed as the king of Israel. And Samuel, the Bible says, he took the horn of oil and anointed him. So he took literal physical oil and poured it over the head of David to anoint him in the midst of his brethren. Notice, and when the oil touched his head, the physical oil was poured upon him. Then the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So we see here that David had the Holy Spirit come upon him For what reason? For a specific position that God had given him. I believe that there are certain positions that God may give someone and they need. Now, that doesn't mean that they will have, because if you remember, King Saul had the Holy Spirit of God come upon him. But we saw last week that the Holy Spirit left him as well. So just because you have a position that needs the Holy Spirit's power upon your life does not mean that you'll have it. That's why we need to live our lives consistently in a way where we meet the requirements to be filled with the Spirit. But we understand this, that there are some positions that require it, that you need it. You know, I believe as a pastor, I have a job that really... If I want to do it well, and if I want to do the will of God, I need to have the power of the Holy Spirit upon my life. I need to have the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Spirit. I need to have the Holy Spirit upon me as much as possible when I stand up to preach God's Word. I can't do this out of my own will and ability and might. I need God's Holy Spirit to help me. So we see that there might you might need the filling of the Holy Spirit for specific positions. But we also know this, and, and I, I'm going to ask you, we're going to turn, we're, we're really going to study the Bible tonight. We're going to turn to a lot of places. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and keep your place there in 1 Samuel as well. If you can put a ribbon or a bookmark or your bulletin or something, because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. But go to the book of Acts in the New Testament. And make sure you can get back to 1 Samuel. I know you got your place in Ephesians also. But go to Acts chapter 2. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. What are some reasons you might need or want the, whole, the filling of the Holy Spirit? One is for a specific position. And you might say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a deacon. I'm not an evangelist. I, I'm not a king. Okay, uh, I, I don't know that I have a position that requires the filling of the Holy Spirit. But another reason that you may want the filling of the Spirit is for scriptural preaching. It is for the preaching of the Word of God. And you say, well, I'm not a preacher. But you know what? If you were out there yesterday with a Bible in your hand preaching the gospel, you are a preacher. You are a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? You will, there will be no more effective soul winner in this church or in any church than that soul winner that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God that has the power of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. Are you there in Acts 2? Look at verse 4. This is, of course, the day of Pentecost. 
But notice what the Bible says, and we're going to spend a whole sermon on the day of Pentecost later on in the series and talking about the speaking with tongues and all that. But notice verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And notice what happens, and we see this throughout Bible, throughout the Bible. When they are filled with the Holy Ghost, notice, just automatically, and began to speak. And they began to speak. Now, there's a supernatural miracle here. They did it with other tongues. But you'll notice that throughout the Bible, when people are filled with the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost comes upon them, they always speak and they preach God's Word. Throughout the Old Testament, the prophets would have the Holy Spirit of God come upon them. Or the Bible might say, the hand of the Lord was upon them. And they will speak, thus saith the Lord God. Why? Because in order to speak God's Word, to preach God's Word, for scriptural preaching, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're there in Acts 2. Flip over a couple of pages to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, look at verse 8. Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. Notice what the Bible says here. Acts 4, 8 says this. Then Peter, notice what it says, filled with the Holy Ghost. And what does he do? What, what's always done when someone's filled with the Holy Ghost? He opens his mouth. Said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And he goes on to preach a great sermon, a great uh, uh, scriptural truth to them. But why was he able to get up and preach and teach God's word? Because he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So you need the Holy Spirit of God if you have a position that would require or that would be uh, enhanced by being filled with the Spirit. You need it for scriptural preaching. If you're a soul winner, you need to have the filling of the Holy Spirit if you want to be effective, if you want to actually be able to see people saved and see God work through your ministry of preaching and uh, ministry of reconciliation. You need to have the Holy Spirit of God. But there's another reason why you may desire the filling of the Holy Spirit, and that is for a specific purpose. Go, go uh, to Exodus chapter 28. Back in the Old Testament, we have Genesis and Exodus. Exodus 28. And let me show you. You say, well, okay, Pastor, well, you know what? I'm not a preacher and I'm not a soul winner. All right. Well, let's see if there's another reason you might require the filling of the Holy Spirit. We know we need it for a specific position. We know we need it for for scriptural preaching. But we also need it for special purposes. There are special purposes that God has given you in your life. And maybe it's not to preach God's word, and, 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 and for all of us it's to preach the gospel, but maybe it's not to preach God's word as a pastor or as a, some sort of spiritual leader. But I know this, God has a plan and God has a purpose for you. And whatever that purpose is, it will require the filling of the Holy Spirit. Are you there in Exodus 28? Look at verse 3. Exodus 28 and verse 3 says this, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have... Notice what he says. Filled with the spirit of wisdom. You say, well, is that the spirit of God or the spirit of wisdom? Well, throughout the Bible, we are told that the spirit of God is seven spirits. And one of those is the spirit of wisdom. So we're talking here about the spirit of God. He says, I filled them with the spirit that they may make, notice what they're doing, Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So when the tabernacle and the Levitical priesthood was being set up, God had ordained that there'd be certain garments for the priest to wear. And the Bible tells us that he had filled certain individuals with the spirit of wisdom to be able to make Aaron's garments. And if you look at the Bible here, you'll find that the primary people that were used to create those garments, to create the tabernacle, to create the, 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 the curtains and all those things that were needed, it wasn't just men, it was women. Women that were filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you say, to what? To sew? To to make clothes? 
But you know what? God needed their talents. We talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to serve in the ministry of Moses. And they were filled with the Spirit for that purpose. Go to Exodus 35. Let me show you another example. Exodus 35. Look at verse 31. Exodus 35 and verse 31. Notice what the Bible says. It says, and he hath filled him. Talking about God has filled him. We're talking about an individual. Notice, with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. You say, why did God fill this individual with the Holy Spirit? Verse 32, and to devise curious works to work in gold and in silver and in brass. Again, these are people that were just doing manual labor. They were, they were getting the things ready for the tabernacle. They were building things that needed to be done for the tabernacle. And the Bible says that God filled them with the Spirit. And here's the point that I'm trying to make to you. Not only do we need Spirit-filled preachers, not only do we need Spirit-filled soul winners, but you know that we need some Spirit-filled plumbers? You know that we need some Spirit-filled construction workers? You know that we need some Spirit-filled homeschool moms? You know what? We need some spirit-filled... Look, whatever God has called you to do, whatever God has you doing, whatever skills and ability God has given you, God wants you to do it filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You say, I'm not a preacher. You know, all I do is volunteer and help clean up the building. Hey, praise the Lord for it. But you know what? What we need is a bunch of people and volunteers to show up to clean the building filled with the Spirit of God. We, we, you say, all I do is I fold the bulletins. If, if you're going to fold the bulletins, do it with the Spirit of God upon your life. The point is this, God desires every Christian, no matter who you are or where you are in life, to be filled with the Spirit of God. You say, all I do is I help with maintenance, and I paint things, and I clean things, and I drive the van, and I, look, whatever it is you do, God desires for you to do it filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that people were filled for specific positions, and we see that they were filled for scriptural preaching, and we see that they were filled for special purposes. And here's the point, God desires for you to live your life filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now go back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. And we talked about the reasons for the Holy Spirit, why you might want to be filled. But let's talk about the requirements for the Holy Spirit. You say, okay, God commands us to be filled. He said, but be filled with the Spirit. So how can I do that? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? And what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you five areas or five things to consider, things to do in order to receive the Holy Spirit of God. These are five things we see in Scripture in regards to how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? The first one is this. You must pray for the filling. You must pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Are you there in Acts 4? Look at verse 31. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, the Bible says this, and when they had prayed, you see that? When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. I want you to notice that they were filled with the Holy Ghost after they had prayed for the filling of the Holy Ghost. Go to Luke chapter number 11. You're there in Acts. Just head backwards past the book of John into the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 11. And let me just ask you this. When was the last time or have you ever prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever prayed? And, and, you know, I don't do this every day, but I, I, I try to every day have a, a time, and, and usually it's maybe earlier in the day uh, when my wife and I are maybe spending time uh, reading the Bible over a cup of coffee or whatever. I try to take a few moments and when I can remember, and I try to do it every day, and I, and I don't do it every day, but I try to do it every day and, and just ask the Lord and say, Lord, would you please 
fill me with your spirit today. Could you help me have the fullness of the spirit today? And the truth is this, that we often forget to even just ask for the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And God says that if you would pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, that that is one requirement needed in order to have the fullness of the Spirit. So I want you to consider that. I want you to think tomorrow morning when you get up, before you go off to work or school or whatever it is you want to do, take a moment and ask, Lord, would you fill me with the Spirit today? I would like to have the fullness of the Spirit upon my life today. Are you there in Luke 11? Look at verse 11. Luke chapter 11 and verse 11 says this, If a son shall ask bread... Of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give for a fish? Will he uh, for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, verse twelve, will he offer him a scorpion? Notice verse thirteen. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, he says, look, you, you're you're evil, and you're not going to give your kid a scorpion when they're asking for an egg. You're not going to give them a serpent when they're asking for a fish. He says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give? And here's what's interesting, because you would think he's just going to say, give good things, give blessings, give money, give uh, nice houses and nice cars and nice clothes. That's what you think he's going to say, because he's saying, you don't give your kids a scorpion when they ask for an egg. You don't give them a serpent when they ask for a fish. You don't give them a stone when they're asking you for bread. And, but he says, look, if ye then, being evil, uh, know how to give good gifts unto your children, he says, how much more shall your heavenly father give the holy spirit to them that ask him and you say well why would you have to ask for the holy spirit when i got saved i was indwelt with the holy spirit yes you were sealed with the holy spirit but you weren't filled with the holy spirit and god says he wants you to come to him every day as as his as your heavenly father and ask him for the holy spirit ask him for the filling of the Holy Spirit, ask him for the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know, what do I need to do to have the filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, you must pray for the filling. You must ask for the fullness. You must pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon you. But there's more than that. It's more than just asking. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, I'm not sure if you kept your place there, but if you didn't, you got Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. These, these things I'm going to tell you, they're not, it's not any one of these will fill you with the Spirit. God wants us to do all of these. The first step is to pray for the filling. The second step is to yield your body. God desires and God's will is that you would yield your body and yield your will to the Holy Spirit. And that is the only way that you can be filled with the Spirit. Now, he says it in an interesting way in Ephesians 5. He says this, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. He says, here's what I don't want you to do. He gives us a contrast. He says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And you may have never thought about this, but throughout the Bible, there is a link between being drunk with wine, which is a negative thing, a bad thing, and being filled with the Spirit. The most obvious link is found here in Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But there's other connections. Remember Acts 2, the day of Pentecost? They were filled with the Spirit. And what did people say? These men are drunk. They've, they've drunk new wine. They thought they were drunk, right? Peter had to get up and say, these men are not drunk. And he says, this is what Joel said was going to happen with the pouring of the Spirit. Have you ever thought about this? John the Baptist was told, his mother was told, that he would be filled with the Spirit from the day of his womb. And then there's a specific command that he should not drink wine. 
Samson was told that he would be filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb, and then there's a specific command that he should not drink wine. There is a connection in the Bible that God makes between drunkenness and the Holy Spirit. And here's what he says. You cannot be filled with the Spirit when you're drunk with wine. But then the idea, you say, well, why does he contrast them? And here's why he contrasts it. Because when you are drunk with wine, when you are drunk with alcohol, you are not under control. You are under the substance. You have something inside of you that has taken control of your mind and your body and your thoughts. You do things that you would not normally do. You say things that you would not normally say. You go places that you would not normally go. When you drink alcohol, you are no longer in control of your body. And God says, don't do that, but let's learn a lesson from that. And here's the lesson. Don't allow alcohol to control you, but allow the Holy Spirit to control you. He says, don't allow alcohol to control you and have you do things that you would not normally do. But in the same way that a drunk is out of control of themselves and has the, the, the spirits, isn't that what they call them, spirits? And has the spirits controlling them. He says, as believers, we ought to have the Holy Spirit of God control us. What does that mean? It means that you should yield your body to the Holy Spirit. Let me show it to you from another passage. Go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Are there in Ephesians? Just one book over. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Look at verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. He says the same thing, just a different way. He says this. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. The flesh is your body, your carnal desires. They are desiring against the Spirit. The Spirit has certain things it wants you to do. Your flesh has certain things it wants you to do. And the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Notice verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. What does it mean to be led of the Spirit? It means that you yield yourself to the will of the Holy Spirit. It means that you do whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to do. It means that you yield your body and you say, just like alcohol would control my body, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit control me and lead me. Look, look at verse 24, same chapter. Galatians 5, 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Remember Paul said, I, I die daily. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As believers, we must crucify the flesh. We must deny the flesh. I mean, the Bible uses the same concept all, all sorts of different ways. Jesus said, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. What's the idea? That they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And here's what he's saying. He's saying you live in the Spirit because if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. And he says, but if we live in the Spirit, then we might as well also walk in the Spirit. Here's what we learned. Having the Spirit and walking in the Spirit are two different things. Walking in the Spirit is being led by the Spirit. What does it mean? It means that you allow the Holy Spirit to take control. Say, Pastor Jimenez, how can I be filled with the Spirit? Well, number one, you must pray for the, fill for the filling of the Spirit. Number two, you must yield your body and your control to the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a third, uh, a third uh, requirement. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. 
Look at verse 18. If you're there in Galatians, just head back. Ephesians 5, 18. Notice what the Bible says. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice verse 19. It's in the same context. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you must pray for the filling. You must yield your body. But thirdly, you must sing Christ-like music. The Bible teaches, and this might surprise you, but the Bible teaches that there is a connection between the music that you sing, the music that you, uh, that you praise God with, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example of that. Keep your place there in Ephesians. Go to 2 Kings in the Old Testament. Now, if you kept your place in 1 Samuel, you're right there. You just got 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings. 2 Kings chapter 3. And please understand this. There is a, there, the, music is spiritual. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that God inhabits the praises of his people. This is, this is why we teach as fundamental Baptists, as goes the music, so goes the church. People will often try to pressure me or people like me to, well, if you brought in, if you got rid of those old hymns and you brought in some more contemporary music, you know, uh, we could still have the hard biblical preaching. We could still have the in-depth study. We could still, it doesn't have to be shallow preaching, but let's have the worldly music. But here's the thing. If we bring in the worldly music, it'll bring with it the shallow preaching. Because the, the music, the music sets the context for the spirit. Let me, let me prove it to you. Second Kings 3.14. 2 Kings 3.14 says this, And Elisha, remember him? Great prophet of the Old Testament. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. And I don't have time to develop the story, but you got Ahab and the king of Edom and Jehoshaphat coming to Elisha. They want to ask him advice. Elijah's basically kind of getting mouthy with King Ahab because he's a wicked king. And he says, look, if it wasn't because of Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even be talking to you right now. But then notice what Elisha does in verse 15. He says, but now bring me a minstrel. A minstrel is a musician. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord, the Holy Spirit coming upon you, the pouring of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, we're all talking about the same thing. Notice that it came, the power came, the filling came when the minstrel played. You say, why? Because speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, that's how you get filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Look, when that choir was singing this morning, if, if, you didn't, if, if you didn't feel the Holy Spirit in that, if you didn't feel the Spirit of God in that, uh, you need to check your salvation or you need to check your, how backslidden your heart is. Because as a believer, you, there, you can't help. You can't help but to be together with God's people. Sometimes we, we start singing, it is well with my soul and, and can it be and those beautiful songs. And you can't help but feel the Holy Spirit inside of you. Say, yes, I like that. I want that. You know, all week long, we're just bombarded with the world's trash. And then we come here and we sing the praises of God. And that helps you be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess, go back to Ephesians 5.18, but be filled with the Spirit. And he says, here's how you do it, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Say, how can I get filled? Pray, ask for the Holy Spirit's filling. How can I get filled? Yield your body and your will to the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. How can I get filled? Sing Christ-like music. 
Have Christ-like music around you, and you'll be filled with the Spirit. Here's another way. Internalize Scripture. Internalize Scripture. It's really interesting. If you look at Ephesians 5.18, I want you to look at it again. It says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. And notice this phrase, But be filled with the Spirit. He says, I want the Spirit inside of you, and I want it filling you. Then he says, here's how you do it. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts of the Lord. Now, you're there in Ephesians. Keep your finger right there. Go to Colossians chapter 3. So you got Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. I want you to notice that Ephesians 5, 18, and 19 are basically a, a restatement of Colossians 3.16, or Colossians 3.16 is a restatement of Ephesians 5.18 and 19, but there's a difference. Now, whenever you see the Bible give you similar statements, but then there's something that's maybe used synonymously or switched, there's a reason for that. Now, I want you to notice what Colossians 3.16 says. And I want you to be able to have your finger in Ephesians 5 so you can look at, so you can go back and forth. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Notice, does this sound familiar? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. All right? So notice, Colossians 3.16, the second part says, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing. Right? Ephesians 5.19 says, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing. Those are the same thing. We have the same context, the same wording. What's the switch? Well, here's the switch. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians 3.16, it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you. What does that teach us? Here's what it teaches us. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you need to be filled with the Word of God. If the Word of Christ dwells in you, if you are filled with the words of God, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Go back to Ephesians, this time to chapter 6. You're there in Ephesians 5? Go to Ephesians chapter 6. And here's what you need to understand. Not only is there a connection in the Bible between the Holy Spirit of God and music, not only is there some sort of connection in the Bible between the Holy Spirit of God and drunkenness, or the opposite of drunkenness, the control over your body, but there is also a connection in the Bible between the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. Let me just give you some examples. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, you have the famous passage of the armor of God, right? Notice what he says as part of that armor. Ephesians six seventeen, And take the helmet of salvation. Notice and the sword of the Spirit, what is it? Which is the Word of God. There's a connection between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. In fact, he says, you can't, wield, you can't wield the sword of the Spirit without wielding the Word of God, because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So here's the point. You want to be filled with the Spirit? Get filled with God's Word. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Well, then, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Why? Because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And this is not the only place where that connection is made. Go to John chapter 6. Let me show you a few more. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 6 and verse 63. John chapter 6 and verse 63. Here's what I'm telling you. You cannot and you will not be filled with the Holy Spirit of God when the only time you're in the Word of God is when you come to church. 
You cannot and you will not be filled with the Holy Spirit of God if you do not learn to internalize the Word of God, if you do not learn to spend time with the Word of God, if you do not develop a daily discipline of reading the Bible, studying the Bible, uh, of memorizing the Bible, of being filled with the Word of God. You say, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Then get filled with the Word. Because the Word, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Are you there in John 6? Look at verse 63. Notice what Jesus said. He said, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. These words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You want to get filled with the spirit? Get filled with God's words. He says, These, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. You're there in John 6? Go to John 3. John 3, 34. Remember we saw this, I think it was last week, and we saw how the spirit was not given to Jesus by measure. It's given to us by measure because we don't get the fullness we have to do these things to have the fullness. Jesus did not, the Spirit was given to him without measure. He had the fullness of the Spirit. But I want you to notice the connection in that verse, John 3, 34. For he whom God hath sent, talking about Jesus, notice what it says. Speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. And I just want to highlight for you that there is a connection in the Bible between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you have to be filled with with God's word. Now go back to 1 Samuel, and while you go there, let me just read a couple of other verses uh, for you just to make the point. You go to 1 Samuel, and I'll read to you from Proverbs one twenty three. Proverbs one twenty three says this, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. Listen to this. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Isaiah 59.21 says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth. And the verse goes on to talk about other things. But I want you to just notice throughout the Bible you find this idea that there is a connection between the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. So you want to be filled with the Spirit of God? you got to get filled with the Word of God. In the Bible, there is a connection between the Holy Spirit of God and Christ-like godly music. So if you want to get filled with the Spirit of God, put away the world of music. In the Bible, there is a connection with the Spirit of God and this idea of, of, of you being under the control of a substance. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but let the Holy Spirit control you in the same way that wine would control you. In the Bible, there is a connection between praying for the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. If you're not doing these things, you're not going to be filled with the Spirit of God. Say, what do I do? Pray. What do I do? Yield. What do I do? Sing. What do I do? Read. Memorize. Study. Let me give you a fifth one. If you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, you must be around people that are filled with the Spirit of God. See, here's what's interesting about the Spirit of God is that it's contagious. You can get, you can get it by being around other Spirit-filled people. 1 Samuel 10. Notice what it says. Now, we saw last week, remember the Holy Spirit of God came upon Saul? Remember we saw that? When 1 Samuel 10 and verse 9, the Bible says this, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Now, I believe that in 1 Samuel 10, 9, that's when Saul got saved. He got a new heart. Look at verse 10. And when they came hither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Talking about Saul. And he prophesied among them. Again, there's a connection between the Spirit of God coming upon you and someone opening their mouth and prophesying. Don't tell me you've got the filling of the Holy Spirit if you're not preaching God's Word. 
say, well, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. You can preach to unbelievers. You, know, you dads can preach to your kids. You moms can preach to your kids, all right? He says, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them, verse 11, and it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets, then the people said one to another, what is this that has come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of, uh, and one of the same place, verse 12, answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb, is Saul also among prophets? This was one example. There are several examples in the Bible where Saul, who was a backslidden Christian, who was not right with God, who was persecuting David, for some reason, whenever he got around the prophets, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he would prophesy with the prophets. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is contagious. You want to get the Spirit of God? Get around people who've got the Spirit of God. Be around people that are filled with the Spirit, and then you will want to be filled with the Spirit. So look, God says, God commands you to be filled with the Spirit, and then He tells us, here's how you do it. You pray for the Spirit. He says, you sing. He says, you, you internalize God's Word. He says, you yield your body. He, he says, you get around other people that have the Holy Spirit of God, and you will uh, see the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit of God and the power of the Holy Spirit of God upon your life. Now, you're there in 1 Samuel 10. Go to 1 Samuel 11. And let me give you the third point tonight. We began by talking about the reason for the filling. What's the reason? Why would you even want to be filled? Well, there's three major reasons. Specific position. God has given you a position that requires the Holy Spirit of God. And let me just say this. If you are a husband, you have a position that needs and requires the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you are a wife, you have a position that requires the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you are a father, if you are a mother, if you are a child, (laughs) if you are a pastor, a deacon, a soul winner, a volunteer, a plumber, a construction worker, I don't care what you are, if you're saved, God wants you to have the Holy Spirit of God upon your life. So there's a reason for the filling. There's a requirements for the filling. You got to yield. You got to pray. You got to read. You got to be around others. You've got to uh, uh, sing the praises of God. But lastly, tonight, let's talk about the results of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And here's the sad truth is that most Christians cannot even tell you that they've ever known that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And now I, I believe this I believe that there are times in your life when you can have the power of the Holy Spirit of God upon your life, and everyone will know it except you. In fact, I would say most of the time that is the case. If you ever hear a preacher or a Christian wanting to go around and tell you how they've got the power of God upon their lives, uh, they probably don't. But you know, there should be times in your life, and there's been times in my life where I know, there's been times in my life, and I can't say that it's every time I've stood, I wish I could say every time I stood up to preach, the Holy Spirit was upon me, and I, I hope that's true, and I hope it's most of the time, and I, and I don't know that, but I know that there have been some times when, when, when I preach sermons, and God moved in a way, and I thought, man, that, I don't know where that came from, that wasn't even in my notes, that, that's not what I studied. And I, and I just felt and I just knew that God had taken control and that God had used me as a vessel to minister to his people. And I hope that all of you would desire to know that there is a time when you have been filled with the Spirit. So here's the question. How do you know? How do I know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Well, as far as I can tell in Scripture, there are two major characteristics that will tell you that are kind of the telltale signs 
of being filled with the Spirit, all right? Let me show them to you. The first one is this. You will have boldness. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, the most common result we see through Scripture is boldness. It is the boldness to do what God has called you to do. In the Old Testament, I'm going to show you one example, but we see this all throughout the Old Testament. You often have people who are going to fight the battles of God, literally, lead armies and nations into battle. They are outnumbered, and they, they are out-strategized, and they are outmaneuvered, and they got no hope. And the Spirit of God comes upon some judge. The Spirit of God comes upon some king. The Spirit of God comes upon some man or woman of God, and they are able to lead that army into battle. We see that a lot. Let me give you one example. First Samuel 11, look at verse 5. Remember when Saul became king? Uh, we're not going to read verses 1 through 4, but in verses 1 through 4, you have the context if you'd like to read it. The enemies of God have came. The people are scared. They're outnumbered. They gave him a deadline. They say, you better, uh, and they told him something gruesome. You got to cut off your, your eyes and, and do this and do that. And if you do that within the next 24 hours, then, and then you serve us, and we're gonna, uh, we're, we're, you, then, then we're, we'll, we'll let you live in peace as our servants. But if you want to fight us, then we're going to kill you. And, and you, got, you have all that in verses 1 through 4. Notice verse 5. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, what aileth the people that they weep? Because everybody's weeping and crying. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Uh, they, we've got this military coming against them. And he says, what aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh, verse 6. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings. Notice, and his anger was kindled greatly. Don't miss that. Everybody else is scared. Everybody is afraid. The Holy Spirit of God comes upon Saul, and he's bold. He has righteous indignation. He is spirit-filled and mad as hell. I mean, he's just like, what? And here's what I'm telling you. People who fight the battles of God, they fight the battles of God because they're filled with the Spirit of God. You say, well, how do I know if somebody's not filled with the Spirit? Here's how you know. When someone's not willing to fight the battles of God, they're not filled with the Spirit. When they're cowards and when they're running and when they're running away and when they don't want to take the strong stand, they don't want to fight the battles, they are not filled with the Spirit of God. Because look, the result of being filled with the Spirit is that you will have boldness. The Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him and his anger was kindled greatly, verse 17, and he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent, and they fought a great battle. And look, you can't read the Old Testament without finding that to be true. Just they're, they're, they're scared, they're afraid, the Holy Spirit of God comes upon someone, and then they have boldness. But let me just say this. It's not just the Old Testament battles. It's in the New Testament as well. Go, go to Acts chapter 4. Now, look, in the New Testament, we don't fight physical battles, all right? The Bible says that our, our, our warfare is spiritual, all right? The Bible doesn't say that our battle, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world. So we don't have physical bodies that we fight, uh, battles that we fight today. We have spiritual battles. But notice, Acts chapter 4 and verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people, the elders of Israel. Here he's being persecuted. They're trying to intimidate him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He stands up and he preaches this awesome sermon. Notice verse 13. Notice the result. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, 
So look, he, got, he was filled with the Spirit, and they saw the boldness. They said, wow, this guy's bold. And perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Why? Because the filling of the Holy Spirit will give you boldness. Let me give you another example. There's tons of We've spent all night looking at this, but I'm just going to give you one more. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God, don't miss this, with boldness. Why? Because a result of the filling of the Spirit is that you will have boldness. And here's all I'm telling you. If fear has crippled your Christian life, know this, just know this. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to help you identify something. You are not filled with the Spirit. Because the filling of the Spirit will fill you with boldness. You say, Pastor Jimenez, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid. There's things that I see in the Bible. I I, I read in the Bible. You've taught some things, and I'm just afraid. I'm afraid about this, you know, trusting God with my finances. Or I'm I'm afraid to trust God with my marriage. Or I'm afraid to do the things that God says that we should be doing with our children and and trust that. Or I'm afraid to go out. So I'm afraid. Look, you, you say, I'm afraid. What do I do? Here's what you do. Pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Read the Bible. Sing praises to God. I thought that was to get filled. Yeah, but when you get filled, you'll get boldness. You'll stop being afraid. Because the result of being filled with the Spirit is that you will have boldness. But there's a second result. Go to Exodus 35. We're almost done. We're going to go to Exodus. We're going to go to Luke. We're going to go to John, and we'll be done. All right? Exodus, Luke, John. Let me give you the second result. How do I know if I've been filled? Well, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have boldness. You won't be afraid. You won't be... Uh, uh, you won't just be worried about everything. Everything scares you. Everything fears you. Boldness is the result of the filling. But let me give you a a second characteristic, and it's this. When you are filled with the Spirit, you will not burn out. Now, let me just show that to you and prove it to you. If you're there in Exodus 35, I want you to remember, remember when we talked about the oil being the emblem of the Holy Spirit? And I don't have time to develop this. We, we can look at a lot of verses, and I'm not going to take the time to do it, but I will tell you this. Um, you can look it up. Look up the word oil throughout the Bible, and you'll see that there's a connection to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice, in Exodus 35 and verse 14, the Bible says this. The candlestick also for the light and his furniture and his lamp with the oil for the light. And I'm just showing you one example. I can show you a lot of examples. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, they were commanded to have candles that were lit at all times. In fact, you will remember in the Old Testament, there are some major stories. Whenever the priest allowed the fire to go out, it was a big deal. God was angry and, afraid, and upset at them. When the fire went out, it was a picture of God's power being taken away from them. They were commanded, these priests were commanded to have candles that did not burn out to have candles that were always lit, but they did not burn out. Remember also, here's another example of that, but remember the burning bush when God appeared to Moses. Moses thought it was interesting. He went to look at the burning bush because the bush was on fire, but it did not burn out. And then God tells them, I want you to have these candles that are lit all the time, and they never burn out. Now you say, well, how do you have a candle that's lit that doesn't burn out? Okay, you go to Luke, Luke chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let me explain this to you. And we could run a lot of verses. I'm just going to explain to you. You can study this out on your own. In the tabernacle, they had these candlesticks for these candles. And these candlesticks had bowls. 
These candles, and you can read about this in Leviticus and Numbers, Deuteronomy. These candles were placed inside the bowls, and the bowls were filled with oil. We read there Exodus 35, 14. The candlestick also for the light, and his furniture and his lamp, the oil for the light. And when they lit the candle, instead of the candle burning itself out in order to have what it needed to burn, it would suck in the oil from the bowl, and it would burn the oil. As long as the priest kept the bowl filled with oil, the candle would never burn out. Now, if you remember, Jesus said, ye are the light of the earth. He said, ye are the light of the world. He said, no man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Remember John, Luke chapter 1, are you there? Verse 39. I want to show you that the Bible tells us that John was filled with the Holy Spirit of God from his womb, which, by the way, proves last week's sermon that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not even necessarily connected to salvation. Even unsaved people were filled with the Holy Spirit from time to time. Luke 139, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So we see that John from the womb was filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's what's interesting about that. Go to John. You're there in Luke, just one book over John. John chapter 5. Here's what Jesus said about John. John 5.33, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John 5.33, Ye sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the earth, but I received not testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. Verse 35, He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. Jesus said about John that the Bible says that he was filled with the Spirit. Then the Bible says that he was a burning and a shining light. And Jesus said that he never went out. He lived with the filling and the shining of the Spirit till he was a martyr. Till they took off his head. And here's all I'm telling you. If you've ever said, I'm just kind of burnt out with soul winning. All that means is you're not filled with the Spirit. I'm just kind of burnt out with this church stuff. All that means is you're not filled with the Spirit. I just, kind of, I don't, I just don't, want, I don't know if I'm going to do this church stuff anymore. I'm just kind of overworked. I mean, this is kind of too much. I mean, this is kind of too much to do. Here's all I'm telling you. Christians that live their lives filled with the Spirit, they never burn out because they're not going off of their own energy, their own candle. They are burning the Spirit of God that is empowering them, that is strengthening them, that is helping them. You can be like John, a burning and a shining light that doesn't burn out. But let me tell you something. Most Christians burn out. We're told statistically that most people do the Christian thing for about three years and then they quit. And then the ones that make it past the three-year mark, they usually quit at the seven-year mark. And if you can make it past the seven-year mark, you'll probably make it decades. You say, why do people quit after three years? Because they're not filled with the Spirit and they burn out. Why do people quit after seven years? Because they're not walking in the Spirit and they burn out. And here's all, you say, how can I identify if I'm filled with the Spirit? I can tell you how you can identify if you're not filled with the Spirit, if you're burnt out. I just, I don't feel like reading the Bible today. Then you better get in that Bible and get filled with the Spirit because you will not make it in the Christian life. I just don't feel like serving God anymore. I, just, I remember when soul winning used to be exciting. Translation, I'm not filled with the Spirit. 
I remember when Sunday night church used to be exciting. Now I'd rather stay home and watch the Grammys. Translation, you're not filled with the Spirit. I remember when all this stuff was fun and exciting, and now I'm just kind of tired of it. Here's all that means. And I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to help you out. You're not filled with the Spirit. Say, why is it important for we to be filled with the Spirit? Because if we want to make it to the end of our lives like the Apostle Paul and say, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. You will not be able to say that. If you do not get connected to the vine, if you do not get the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, I, I, I was talking to my wife about this sermon. I was telling her, I, I, these staff guys we have running around here, you know, Brother Oliver and Brother Matt and Brother David, I need these guys to be filled with the Spirit because we work them hard around here. Brother David started working for us last week. He came to me and said, I had no idea Brother Oliver did this much. I said, yeah, nobody does. <laughs> I didn't know there was so much to do around here. There's a lot to do. And you know what? He needs to be filled with the Spirit. I need to be filled with the Spirit. Because we're not going to be able to run. We're not going to be able to do this on our own. It's too hard. It's too much. The only way you're going to make it in the Christian life is if you quit burning your own energy and you get tapped into the Holy Spirit of God. So you better get in your Bible. You better get in prayer. You better start singing praises to God. You better get, you know, here's what I'm saying. You say, well, I better do it. If you want to make it in the Christian life, if you want to burn out and, and, and fail, then do what you want. But in order to be filled with the Spirit, in order to not burn out, in order to make it to the end, in order to be like John, a burning and a shining light, you better take that little candle and stick it in the oil. And you make sure you keep pouring oil in that cup and you keep that cup filled with oil. You keep that cup filled with the Holy Spirit because that's the only way to make it. It's the only way to make it in the Christian walk. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this challenge from, from the Bible. And Lord, I just pray, I pray you to help us. Lord, I pray you'd help us. And Lord, I pray you'd help me to learn to live, to, to live a consistently a consistent life filled with the Spirit. Because we cannot make it on our own efforts. And we cannot make it out of our own might. And Lord, I realize sometimes we, we sometimes get, things get hard and, and, and they get difficult. And I get that. Let's help us to remember that we just need the filling. We need the filling. You will strengthen us. You will help us. You will guide us. You will work in us and you will work through us. But help us to walk in such a way that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.